Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Hey, everyone. It's great to see you guys. I love you guys in the room, and I love you guys that are joining us online. You know, we actually had a goal at the beginning of this year before we knew anything about a pandemic that we were actually going to be streaming our services before the end of the year, and here we are. Uh, it, it precipitated a little bit faster, but we're so glad to be able to have the technology so that we can join together here in the room and those of you that are watching, engaging with us online. And I just want to say I love you, and I missed you, and it's so great to see you in the flesh. And, and whenever it, it's legal to give hugs, I'm just going to be waiting at the door, and anybody who wants to give a hug, I'll just gonna, we're just going to hug each other. It's just going to be so great. <laughs> You know, and there's, there has to be some sort of amazing convergence in this moment that the Raptors came back last night and they crushed the Lakers. And, and the Leafs are coming back tonight and church is starting again. So there's got to be some sort of godly convergence in all of that. Well, we are launching a brand new series today called Following the Way. So if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever, get them out. If you're watching on at home, please get your Bibles out, your phones, your devices. Let's engage in the Word of God this morning. Now, do I have any um, people that have played any video games in your lifetime in the room? <laughs> Maybe some of you don't want to admit it. You know, I was in that first stage of when gaming got some sort of popular um, with the original Atari. Does anyone remember the original Atari? I believe it was Christmas 1982. My parents bought us an Atari. Probably took them six months to pay it off. I don't know. And the original Atari was a singular joystick and a singular fire button. And really, you could just go back and forth or up and down, and that was it. It wasn't necessarily a great immersive experience playing the video game. Now, I know eventually they evolved and the graphics got a little bit better. Now, if I remember correctly, um, there was one game system, and I think it might have been the Nintendo, was it GameCube? Any gamers want to help me? GameCube? They came out with something, and it might, it might not have been the first one, but this is the first one I remember. They came out with something called a rumble pack. And all of a sudden, your controller would shake if you got shot or if you ran into something or something happened. You would get some sort of feedback as to what was happening on the video game, and the games became a little bit more immersive. And then games have evolved, and since I've sort of stepped out of the gaming role, I'd only play like maybe at Christmas time with our kids. And, uh, you know, you're so 3D experience, and then now they have virtual reality games where you're fully immersed in the game. You could put on goggles. If you've ever had one of these experiences, I know I went um, last year to, at Square One, that place where you can play a video game, and you put on these goggles, and you walk into this whole other world, and the experience becomes immersive. And what I want to be talking about in this series is I want to us for us as a city church family to immerse ourselves in God. 
that the idea, the experience of following Jesus should be an immersive one. And when we, when we go public with our faith, we, we get water baptized and we are immersed in water. And partly what we're saying, one of the things that we're telling when we do water baptism, and I can't wait till we can do water baptism again, is that we are immersing ourselves in Jesus that we are identifying with Jesus. And we can have immersive experiences with God. I don't know about you, but a a couple times in my life, I've had some immersive experiences with the Spirit of God during uh, extended times of worship, sometimes at a retreat with a youth group and different things like that, just immersed in the Spirit of God and just having the reality of God in my life just undeniable. And, I, and if you've never had an experience like that, I, I hope for you to have one like that one day. And you can have those on your own, at home, in your prayer closet. doesn't necessarily have to be in a gathering, but we've also had times where when we've been immersing ourselves in the Word of God, and then the Word of God changed our thinking. Did anyone ever have a time like that? where you're reading the word of God and all of a sudden you immersed yourself in the word of God and then you're like, oh, this thinking that I had needs to be changed. And so again, we are immersing ourselves in the way of God. And then once we take some action that we see in the word of God, that we, we start to act and live a certain way where my life is changed and the people around me, their lives are changed. And this is what God wants for us. He wants us to live in this immersive experience of being a Christ follower, being a Christian, a way of life, not just a Sunday in-person experience and not just a Sunday online experience, but he wants us to immerse ourselves in the way of God. And I'm hopeful one of the things that we realized um, in this season, for those of us watching online, for those of us in the room, how important it is to follow Jesus and how important the word of God is and how important it is to get together with our our fellow believers and the thoughts um, from the word of God and just the importance of Jesus that God wants us to immerse ourselves in who he is and what he's accomplished for us so that we can live a certain way in the now, in 2020, when the world needs the Christians to be the Christians. Now, my wife asked me before I got up this morning, she was like, do you think you're going to be able to keep it short this morning? And I'm like, I'm not sure. It's been a while since we've been able to gather together. I don't have a lot of notes. I on purpose didn't have a lot of notes because I might do some extra stuff because it's just so good to be together with you, but I'll do my best. See, but the struggle is in the back of my mind, I know there's not too many kids here. I see some kids over here and I know there's some kids and generally I like to go short when there's too many kids, but there's not that many kids. My brain has this information, so I'm going to struggle, but just bear with me this morning. So... What we want to talk about and what we're going to discuss in this series is immersing ourselves in the following of Jesus. And I hinted at this last week because the world needs us to be Christ followers right now. There's so many things going on in the world and, uh, and there's so much in the scripture about who we should be as Christ followers and to immerse ourselves in the ways of God because I would say this, the ways of the world don't work. The ways of the enemy don't work, but the ways of God do. 
And not only should we immerse ourselves in having experiences with the Spirit of God, and we should immerse ourselves in having our thoughts and actions change, but we should do all of those things so that we can be influential in the world. So that we can take all of who God is and that we can live that out in our lives so that we can make a difference beyond the four walls of this building or the, fall, the four walls of our home where we're sitting and we've had to sit for a really long time. That God wants us to immerse ourselves in his ways and God's ways are different than man's ways. And one of the things that I love about the scripture is that it shows all of the faults of humanity so that we can see ourselves in the faults of other humans in the scripture. And there's this very chilling verse at the end of the book of Judges that describes our time perfectly. And it says this, and we don't have this verse on the screen. It says this, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And they had no king, they had no physical king, and they also had no rulership from God. And then what did everybody do? Everybody did what they saw fit. In other words, relativism. That all I'm choosing is just based on me. And our culture is descending into relativism. And you will, you will hear responses. Um, people talk about it, and you'll hear truth described. Well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. In other words, there's no... Anything objective about my life, that the only thing that's true about me is what I feel in this moment, what I think in this moment, and there's nothing beyond me. And this is man's ways. And this is the way man has always been. And this is the way man is in 2020. But Israel had no king. They had no physical king. And then they, had, then they weren't even following God. And if, if you go back and just read the previous chapters of what happened before that, it is like horrendous. There's kidnapping, and then there's rape happening, and there's murder happening, and all of these things, and everyone's just doing what they see as right. But we, as Christ followers, should want to follow the ways of God, that there's power in the ways of God, that there's rightness in the ways of God, and there's a way that we should live that in accordance with the thoughts of God and the ways of God, and this is what I want to talk about in this series. We want to follow the way. Now, when we think about um, Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that for those of us that follow Jesus, that he is the cornerstone of our lives. And Jesus said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So like never before, I feel like as, as those of us that say that we follow Jesus should dive into who Jesus is and, and see what, what he did and how he did the right thing and how he always asked the right questions and how he always answered the questions the right way. And then we should immerse ourselves into who Jesus is so that we can live that out, immerse ourselves in the scripture. And when we see just a generality in the scripture is God's pursuit of mankind to be in a relationship with God because God is desiring man to follow his ways. The very first thing he said to Adam and Eve. What, what, what ways are those? The ways that bring life. And man arrogantly chooses his own ways and there's negative consequences, but then God comes down in Jesus. And this is the story of mankind. This is the story of our own lives. 
The story hasn't changed. The world actually hasn't changed as much as people think, well, we just want to depart from the scriptures because it's old-fashioned, but no, it's all of the same things happening over and over again. And like I read there in the book of Judges, it sounds just like today, doesn't it? Can I get an amen? That everybody just does what's right in their own eyes. There's, There's no king. There's nobody telling me what to do. I am my own king. I am my own Lord. And what I would say is that Christians shouldn't be like that. Can I get an amen? The whole idea of him being our Lord is I'm not my own Lord. I don't live according to relativism. I don't live according to what I feel in this moment and what I think at this exact moment. Could anyone ever say, and you've you've had some experience with this, that you felt a certain way in a moment, and then you acted on it, and it was wrong. Anybody in the room want to admit that that's true? What is that? This version of relativism. I'm going to decide based on me. What I think, what I feel, what I, in this moment, I'm just going to, there's no, there's nothing else to consult other than me. That's me being my own Lord, but we don't, we're not good enough. We're not smart enough to be our own Lord. This is why God has given us a Lord, a perfect Lord and Savior for us to follow so we're not just following ourselves in our own ways. And so we see over and over again this idea of the ways. Now listen, for the book of Psalms, there's a way of righteousness. There's a right way. There's the way of God's statutes. There's the way of truth. There's the way I should walk. There's the perfect way from the book of Proverbs. There's the way of life. There's the way of the just. There's a way of holiness. There's the way of peace. There's the good way. There's the way of the meek. There's a troubled way. There's preserving ways. There's ways of thinking. There's man's ways. There's Cain's ways. The way of Cain. We don't want to go the way of Cain, do we? Do we? No, the way of Cain is not a good way. And that's what's great about the scriptures. We have all of these examples of imperfect, imperfect humanity that was like, ah, I don't want to go that way. And what we should do as we read the scripture and we see these imperfect people and the consequences from their actions and their thoughts, it's like, oh, that's not the way I want to go. I don't want to go the way of Cain. I don't want to go, another one, evil ways. Here's a better one, God's ways. Here's a worse one, the world's ways. The right way, more excellent way, the way of love. Then finally, Jesus is the way. That, that, that he is the cornerstone of our lives and then the actions that we take and the thoughts that we think. It's not just me being my own Lord is that I'm yielding to him. And when I yield to him, there's power in that. There's strength in that. There's wisdom in that. And so we are all living a certain way. And what I want us to do is I want us to immerse ourselves in the way of Jesus. Now, the word way just simply defined means a journey, a going, a manner, a manner, I have a manner of life, a means. You've all heard this phrase. Well, that, that's just a means to an end. 
We've also heard this phrase, and it's an important one. The ends don't justify the means. In other words, the way we do stuff is important. If we're just going to do stuff the world's ways, if we're just going to engage in conversation the way the world does, evil ways, if we're just going to engage and have our manner of life the way of the world, it doesn't justify the end. We'll think, oh, the end is the only important thing to know. God, God has something to say about the way we do stuff. The way Christ followers do stuff is really important because we just don't want to do stuff the way of the world. We just don't want to do stuff evil ways and Cain's ways and the wrong way. We actually want to do things God's way, a path, a road. The world needs the church to do things the way of God. So what do we need to do? We need to immerse ourselves in the way of God. Now, it's very easy today for all of us to immerse ourselves in the way of the world like no other time before. We have things streaming to our house. We have things streaming to our phone on a constant, on a constant. And what is being given to us in all of these devices, it's just a way of life. Here's a way of life. Here's the way you should think. Here's the way you should act. And if somehow we're not wise, we're unable to differentiate the way of the world with the way of God. And I want us to get really good at it. Don't you want to get good at this? Come on now, I feel like we should want to get good at this. We, we shouldn't just want to go down. Because here's the deal, friends. If, we're, if, if the followers of Jesus just do things the way everybody else does it, then we will all just descend into madness very quick. That everybody's just going to do stuff according to their way. There's, there's nothing superior to my way. There's, there's no king in Israel. There's no God in my life. It's just the stuff that comes to me. And what God wants us to do, he wants us to be aware, as we're going to see here in a second. God wants us to be aware of what's happening in the world. But as he doesn't want us to immerse ourselves in it so much that we can't actually see the ways of God, that we're doing the stuff the same way, we take the same means as everybody else. There is a different mean to take. There's a different way to take the way of God. And this is what Christianity was actually called at the very beginning. It was called the way. But Acts chapter 9, verse 1, but Paul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And that's what we are. Went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way that this is what Christianity was originally called. It was called the way. There's a path. Yes, there's a destination to be with God in his presence for eternity. Aren't you thankful for that? To be with him forever and ever. But then there's a way he wants us to live before we get there or before he returns. There's a way, a godly way, that's different than Cain's ways or evil ways or the way of the world, and he wants us to get on that path. Christianity was called the way, Acts chapter 11, verse 25. And so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So this is the first time we were called Christians. 
Now, we call ourselves Christians, but before we were called Christians, Christianity was called the way, and then Jesus called us to be disciples. And that's what Christian means. Christian means follower of Jesus. And this is what we need to immerse ourselves in. So we're just not doing things the way everybody else does it, every way in the world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. So Jesus is, is talking here, Sermon on the Mount. He has some ways for us to engage the culture that surrounds us. And what's beautiful about the, the words that we're about to read, that they are good for all time. They actually transcend the time that we are living in. And they are transcendent. They go beyond the moment. And this is one of the ways to think as it relates to thinking a God way is that it goes beyond the moment. It lives beyond the moment. Because we, we live in a very specific cultural environment right now, don't we? And my, and my dad, who is 82, could describe to you how this cultural moment is different from a cultural moment 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, or 40 years ago, or 50, or 60, or 70. He can go way back. But what's great about the verses that I'm about to read, these verses are good for all time. Unlike the culture we live in, it's going to be for a time, and then it's going to change. And any of you that are at least my age know that that is true. And the culture is not going to stop here, friends. Do you get this? Culture is changing, and it's evolving, and it's descending in some ways. But what does Jesus want us to do? He says to us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth, talking about his followers. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, to be trampled under people's feet. You, he's talking to his followers, you are the light of the world, a city Set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And there is where we go as Christ followers. This is the goal of our lives, is to give glory to God, not me. You and I will die. Sorry to uh, ruin your Sunday morning. If you didn't know that before today. Our ways will cease. God's ways won't. See, there, there's people in the world who are seeking glory for their ideas. And their ideas alone. In other words, them. And that is no way to live. We're called to a different way. There's a, a preservative nature for the followers of Jesus. You are salt, and that's what it means. You're going to preserve what's happening around the world. Why? Because you're going to stand outside of it, not just to be a part of it, not just to be immersive, not that you're unaware 
But you're just not going to immerse yourselves in the ways of God. You, as a, as a Jesus follower, are going to be a preservative for the world that you live in. But you won't if you descend into culture just like everybody else. Because he says, hey, if you've lost your saltiness, what, what good are we? In other words, if we're just like everybody else. Listen, if we hate just like everybody else, then we are just like everybody else. If we hate the people who don't think like us, then we've lost our saltiness. Can I get an amen on that one? I feel like that's an easy one for an amen this morning. Hey, you're back in church. Why not just, let's just change it up. Let's change up the church culture and let's just say amen a lot. Especially when I read the words of Jesus, you're like, hey, what are we going to do? It's Jesus. We should say amen. We shouldn't lose our saltiness. We shouldn't lose our difference from the world. We shouldn't be described in the book of Judges that everybody's just doing their own thing and all the Christians are doing that too. But he calls us to be aware of what's happening in the world, but then he calls us to be a preservative in the world. That means how we engage in conversation, both in person and online should not just be like everybody else. Can I get an amen? amen? We should be different. And I, like you, have been stuck at home for a really long time, and so you're stuck and you're on social media. And I'm going to talk about this later in the series. But I'm watching, what's great about social media is, hey, we can see what's happening in your life. And what's terrible about social media is that we can actually hear what you're thinking. Because this is not good sometimes. And everybody's home and they're pent up and they're engaging in conversations online. And I am watching pastors engage, and I'm going to talk about this more in detail later in the series, engaging in cancel culture just like everybody else. And here is a simple, I'm going to deal with this way more in detail. Here is why Christians cannot be involved in cancel culture. Uh, forgiveness. That, that really actually deserves an amen. We just can't be canceling people Otherwise, we would have already been canceled. From which moral standpoint do Christians get to cancel other people? They don't. It's not in our arsenal. What we have done is we have humbled ourselves, saying, I am completely deficient as a human. I need a savior. That is not moral high ground to cancel other people. It's not moral high ground that you have achieved. This is, this is what's getting me off track, babe. <laughs> and this is I'm stuck at home, and I'm like, I don't get it. Pastors just descending into the culture. Christ followers trying to cancel other Christ followers on Instagram. 
It's not a thing, friends, for Christians to be involved with. Salt, preserve it from the corruption. We can't, we can be aware of the corruption, but we shouldn't engage in it. We shouldn't be the perpetuators of the corruption in the culture. We need to be a city of light. And this is where I would say that the church, our church, and other churches have a chance in this cultural moment to be a different type of community. Because the world outside is pulling itself apart. But we, as the followers of Jesus, we come together. And we come together under the banner of a Savior who loves us and loves all humanity that's different than a culture that's pulling itself apart. So we need to be the different community. We need to be a city of light, the city church. And not just say the things that everybody else is saying. We've got we to consider our ways, consider what we're saying. I just don't know that I'm going to keep on the timeline. <laughs> I'm going to say it one more time so you can get your amen ready. If we are just as hateful as everyone else, we've lost our saltiness. And that means, see, it's been a while, it's been a while. You can't hate the haters. And how do I know? Jesus, the one we follow, from the cross. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. We cannot descend into the culture. We, if, listen, if the church descends into the culture, we will precipitate the fall of things really fast if we just talk like, like everybody else. But the one who is sent by love, forgives by love, and just lives in love for all mankind, he's our example. And, and for, for that post that you wanted to do, you, you typed it out, and then you deleted it. You did right. You, knew there, you didn't know exactly what was wrong, but you knew the motivation was wrong, but you were really mad, and you just wanted to give your peace of your mind. Just telling you, I've been there, friends. But if we're just going to descend into it like everybody else, then, then what, what are we? What, what we're, we're, we've lost our saltiness, Jesus would say.
Okay, what is anniversary? Okay. I've been preaching at weird times for the last long while. Okay, just give me a few more minutes, all right? <laughs> Thank you. You didn't say yes, but I'm taking it anyway. Okay. <laughs> John 17, verse 14, in Jesus' prayer, he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Jesus says, just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. So the purpose of my message today is we're we're not going to gather supplies and and go up the top of Blue Mountain and and start weirdness. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This is what Jesus prayed for us. They are not of the world. You are not of this world. You have a brand new citizenship that trumps, not to use a pejorative word, that trumps all of the other kingdoms of the world. We are not of this world. We are not just our race. We are not just our skin color. We are not just where we came from. We are certainly not our political party. We are of Christ. They're not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Set them apart. That's what sanctify means. Your word is truth, Jesus says to God the Father. As you send me into the world, so have I sent them into the world talking about us. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. And this is what Jesus desire for us. Sanctified in the truth of the ways of God. Thank God that our destination is in in the presence of God in heaven. Thank God for that. But he wants to sanctify us in the ways of truth, in the ways of God. Because then we can actually be influential to culture, not just a part of the problem. And Christians, if we just use all of our words to talk like everybody else then we've lost our saltiness. Then we're just like everybody else. There's nothing transcendent about what we are saying. In other words, there's nothing beyond this moment. Then what I'm saying, no, he's, he's wanting us to transcend culture. Verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, his own possession, not the possession of the culture of the time. We are his possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And I feel like we should take that seriously. I really do. I think it actually should mean something. Otherwise, friends, what's the point? 
if we're just going to talk like everybody else and act like everybody else and do what everybody else does and respond just like everybody else on social media? I said social last week, and I got castigated by my children's, my children's social media. Gen Xers just say social. Can't cancel me? You said it the wrong way, Dad. I'm uncancelable. God's people to get back to a serious. I, got, I always got time to correct my children. You know what I'm saying? I really feel like we should take the God's people thing seriously. And that's why I feel like we just need to, we need to go back to the scriptures like we never read them before. And, and Jesus, what, what were the questions that you asked? Jesus, how did you answer the questions when they were pressing you? I'm going to show you later on in this series, they, they, they tried to cancel Jesus. This is not a new thing, friends. By the way they asked him questions, Jesus answered the questions so well. But I just feel like we need to be God's people. Listen, otherwise we're just playing games, friends. You know what I mean? Otherwise, we're just singing. Otherwise, we're just pretending. Well, I'm a Christian, and you know, I just don't want to go to hell, and kind of that's it. But the way I live my life doesn't matter, but the way you live your life does actually matter. And if we descend into relativism just like everybody else, watch out. There's trouble. But we can be a voice of change by being a voice of love. Yeah, but I don't know how to do that right now, Pastor Brent. I'm not sure that I know all of the ways too, but I know descending into culture is not going to help us either. But I know God sent Jesus because he loves the world, and he still loves the world. So we can't be just like everybody else. We have to be God's people. Once you have not received mercy, there's another reason Christians can't be involved in cancel culture, because you receive mercy. So you're going to withhold it from somebody else? Forgive me, but don't be stupid. If our whole lives are defined by being a recipient of mercy and forgiveness and grace, and then online... We're going to give none of those things? What are we doing? We've disassociated ourselves with the one that we say we follow. But I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, this is who we are, friends followers of Jesus. We, this is not our home. Our, our final place is to be in the kingdom of God, and in fact, he wants us to live in it right now. That we abstain from the passions of the flesh. 
which wage war against your souls, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Thanks, Rebecca, for coming, because I'm way off track. So I'm not even, gonna get, I'm not even halfway through my stuff, friends. So we're going to save it for next week. See, I had less notes too, babe. It just didn't work. <laughs> Here's what all of us who follow Jesus or say we do need to take seriously in this moment. You and I right now actually have a ministry to the world. What does that mean? You have a ministry. Well, give me a title, Pastor Brent. It's not about titles. All ministry is about bringing help and healing and grace and forgiveness and all of the things that God has given to us. All of those things are to flow through you and I to the world. And what that means is to people in the world. I would say that we've seen this occasionally played out in culture and that people are amazed by it, but it actually comes from Jesus. Have you ever seen these instances where somebody commits a murder and then a family member goes to testify at the sentencing hearing and the family member forgives the one who murdered their loved ones? And that makes the news. Why? Because forgiveness transcends the moment and forgiveness comes from God. And this is the ethics, the morals that we need to live out as God's own possession. All of the things, all of the ways of God. We need to immerse ourselves in it. Why? Because we have a ministry right now in this moment. Because there's a lot of hurting people out in the world for a lot of different reasons. And if we're just like everybody else, we're just going to contribute to the noise and the anger and the frustration and the disappointment and all the negativity that's out there in the world. But man, God has called us for this moment. He wants to do ministry through you and I. He wants to do love through you and I. He wants to do forgiveness through you and I. He wants to do mercy through you and I. He wants to do healing through you and I. Let's not miss our moment by immersing ourselves so deep in the culture that we just, we're just so deep in it that we just talk like everybody else and we hate like everybody else and we're frustrated just like everybody else. Anybody in the room and anybody watching online, thankful for forgiveness? Thankful for God that he sent Jesus so we could be in a relationship with God. And I'm telling you that, 
this idea, this thought from where we live transcends all of the moments. There is nothing that's going to trump ever the idea that relationship is built on love and forgiveness. We're ne- science is not going to come up with anything new, friends. Well, we're better with science. Nope. Love and forgiveness is what relationships are all about. And God actually is pursuing all of us, is pursuing all of us watching online. What? To become his own possession, to be in a relationship with him, to be at exile in a sojourner in this broken culture that we live in, to bring his thoughts and his ways. Man, and he invites us all in constantly. He invites us all in constantly. And all we have to do is say, yes, this is the good news. This is the gospel message. That we don't qualify for a relationship with God, with our own goodness, with our own thoughts, with our own positions on politics, with our own ability to create a a, a religion to make my way to God. No, God has come down in Christ. And he didn't come down to condemn us. He didn't come down to hate on us. He didn't come down into frustration. No, he came down in love and invites us. He invites us in. He doesn't force us in. This is another thought about our culture. He doesn't make us do it, even though it's the right thing to do. That he invites us in. Come on. I, 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 want, you, I want to be in a relationship with you. I love you like nobody else can. So if you're here in the room today, you're watching online and you have never said yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second and I invite you to pray along with me. It's just a simple starting place in your relationship with God by saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you've been close to Jesus at one time in your life. You kind of feel like today, you know, so many different things have happened. I kind of... I'm sad and I'm frustrated and all of these different things and I feel so distant from God this morning. You know, God is not mad at you. God invites you close to himself again. So let's all bow our heads here in the room, bow our heads watching online. Let's all pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. That he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so that I could know you. So I say yes to that relationship today. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I call you my Father. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.